Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com amazing to start your springtime adventure. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick, here to talk uh, positional reviews tonight and tonight. The outside linebacker position for the 2021 Ravens. We'll talk a little bit about that and look forward to 2022 as well. Joining me for the show, Gabe Ferguson. Gabe, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Ken. Oh, it's a great friend of the show, and, and you do the Situation Room with Jordan Coe. Great show, also on filmstudybaltimore.com. Highly recommend it. Where can people talk football with you online? Um, the best and most easy way to find me is on Twitter, at Gabe Fergie. Um, love talking football, Ravens football any football, really, any NFL, even college. I'm a big fan of all of it. So if you have any opinions or thoughts, 
I'd like to chat with you and, you know, I'll put my thoughts out there on Twitter, agree, disagree. I'll have a, I'll have a good conversation about it. All right. Highly recommended follow. So the Ravens outside linebacker position uh, obviously came into this year as one of the really big uh, question marks uh, with a loss of Matthew Judon. Um, who else? Yannick Ngakwe. Matthew Judon was a big one. Yeah, Yannick Ngakwe, of course. How could, how could we forget? <laughs> um, and uh, uh, the Ravens ended up with a pretty damn good trio of pass rushers. It was very effective during the season. Um, they did. They lacked a little bit at the Sam spot. We'll talk a little bit about that. But let's kind of, at, a, at an overarching level, do you have any thoughts you kind of want us to be mulling as we go through the player discussion? So I think one of the things that was interesting was the rotation was much slimmer this year than what we've seen in recent seasons. Um, and, and how they were utilized was also a, a bit different than in past seasons. It was It's more of a true edge rotation where you had basically three guys who are rotating between Houston, OA, and Bowser. And, and really, Bowser had a really unique season in the way he was utilized this year, which we can dive into a little bit more um, in depth, I think, because it's interesting. Um, and that, I mean, that's pretty much it. The other two guys, McPhee and, and Ferguson, they really didn't get very many snaps. And when they were on the field, they weren't that effective. And that's probably why they weren't on the field as much as they have been in years past. Right. Various uh, bouts with injuries and COVID for those players as well. So uh, it, that, that, that was a problem. The, uh, the, the big three played together on a lot of downs uh, together. Oway, uh, Houston and Bowser played together on a lot of downs together. And they, they were one of the really effective groups in the NFL in terms of, uh, of being on the field on third down. Uh, and as bad as the Ravens' defense was in some ways, in terms of, of you know allowing a lot of passing yards, passing touchdowns, they're very effective at getting off the field on third down. So. Yeah, that was that was one of the defense's strengths for sure. Um, stopping with third down, I think that a lot of the time it was partially due to their their run defense setting them up in in good down distances. So there were a lot of third and longs, and it, oftentimes in third and shorts, the run defense was what got them off the field too. And, you know, the outside linebackers were a big part of that. It wasn't just, you know, the guys with the middle. I thought, you know, Justin Houston had a great year playing outside linebacker and run defense. Um, it wasn't necessarily his calling card coming into the season, but he impressed me a lot. Um, and, you know, and Bowser and O.A., they had their ups and downs, but pretty solid all around for, the, for that group, I would say. Right. I, I would agree. I mean, I thought Justin Houston had a fine year. And, and you know, a, a good run defender. I wouldn't go out out the window in terms of how good he was. He's a pass rusher primarily. He's constantly among the pressure leaders on a per game basis. A little trouble finishing Mm -hmm. his pressures this year. So we're going to, I guess we're going to start with Justin Houston, talk a little bit about him. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you said at the beginning of the pod, how we were kind of having a big question mark uh, in the off season. What was the outside linebacker position going to look like? Um, There was talk about Houston pretty early on. Obviously he signed later. Um, I thought he was a, an outstanding addition. I thought he came in and gave the Ravens exactly what they needed at the outside linebacker position. Um, solid in all phases. I think he didn't really drop into coverage very much. Um, but as a pass rusher, as a run defender, I think he, he was very consistent. Um, and you, he really gave that veteran presence, that kind of consistent pressure that you get, you can count on game in and game out. And that, that was something I think the Ravens definitely needed this year. Yeah, absolutely. And he ended up playing over 500 snaps for the Ravens, which I think probably was a little bit unexpected. I, you know, I would have expected maybe 25 snaps a game, something like that, that he'd play 40-something percent. But, you know, he played roughly half the snaps of, for, the, for the defense in the entire year. Actually, 
I think it was a little bit more than half. Yeah, five, from for five forty-three out of ten thirty-one, and that takes out penalties. So, um, you know, he's, that's, a, that's definitely a, a very significant contribution from a player his age. Uh, definitely provided pressure. He he provided uh, more pressure than yeah. sacks and quarterback hits. Obviously, um, that is something the Ravens really need to be concerned about. I know that, that there's a there's a ongoing debate of whether pressure because it's replicatable is what you really want or that um, you really want to finish with sacks or even some people that, that, you know, hitting the quarterback should have an elevated importance because every time you knock the quarterback down is good, which I, I certainly agree with. Um, you know, he, he was a guy who um, forced the quarterback off the spot a fair amount this season, but he, he didn't finish too often. I actually don't have his sack total here, but I will get that. While we're I, I think I looked it up. It was four and a half, which felt about right. Um, and I think that you're absolutely right. Like, it, and it wasn't just Houston. I, I feel like the Ravens in general were really poor at finishing sacks this year. And and, and Houston was a big part of that. I, I think they probably as a team left maybe half a dozen to maybe even more than that on the field. Um, quarterback in the grasp, couldn't quite bring him down. And several mm-hmm. of those times, it, you know, it, it led to, you know, an incompletion or, you know, third down um, stop. But a lot, sometimes they were able to get away and get a completion too. So it, it def- that's definitely why the pressure isn't always as good as, as a sack. Because, you know, if you don't get the sack to finish the negative play, then um, there's always a chance that the quarterback can make something out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I, with the Ravens secondary being what it was, uh, the difference between the two-and-a-half second pressure and a three-second pressure really matters. Uh, in terms of the different ways I score it differently than PFF does, so I always usually bring up that measure. But you need to get there faster, and you need to get the get the quarterback more downer. Both of, both of those things to uh, uh, you know to, to to value maximize the value of that thing. And obviously, the Ravens with uh, you know uh, Seymour in the back end. By the way, he just got resigned mm-hmm. today. I don't know if you caught. I that. didn't see that. Wow. Um, he. I mean, he wasn't great. Um, he's a body that and the Ravens. I think they feel like they need as many bodies as possible. So. It's a position that has been decimated by injuries many seasons for the Ravens. And I think just having somebody that they can have maybe as like a training camp body at this point, but you know, you never know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wouldn't think his chance to make the, make the starting 53 is particularly good. And if he did, I, I think it would be a very bad sign for what the Ravens do this off season is that they would have lost all the players that they really wanted to keep not drafted. Well, you know, a lot of things could go, wrong to get you that spot but i don't know how how things go particular right decent chance he ends up on the practice squad next year yeah i don't know what his eligibility would be in terms of like being because you couldn't sign into a reserve future deal because he was mm-hmm. you know on the active roster for most of this or at least half the season so if you wanted to have him as like somebody that you'd be bringing back to at least evaluate you need to sign him which i think you know at this point doesn't really hurt them any so mm-hmm. yeah and they, they've got six veterans they can have on the roster. And I think Seymour is getting to the point where he's one of those uh, if he isn't if he isn't there already. But they uh, they have to count him as one of the one of the ones they have. Anyway, let's get back to the outside linebackers. So, Justin Houston, where do you see him for the Ravens in 2022? I, I think it has to be the, the same, similar kind of deal as what they had this year. Um, I, I would definitely be willing to bring him back. Like I said, I thought he played well for them. Um, I think, you know, the veteran leadership is something that the Ravens can use. Um, we'll probably talk a little bit about Pernell McPhee. I'm not sure if he comes back. Um, he just didn't seem to have much in the tank. The injuries caught up with him this year. Um, mm-hmm. So 
I think having someone like Houston brought back makes a lot of sense. You know, 400, 500 snaps. I think you could probably lean more into him as a pass rusher than he was this year. Although, I do, like I said, I do think he played pretty well as a run defender. Um, but I think it, it just depends on the money. Um, if, if he can come back, you know, four or five million, I think it's a reasonable contract for someone at his stage in his career. I would be totally on board doing that. I, I, I think that's too high, honestly, in my in my view. I think you you pay him with incentives yeah. that much, but but you start it at two million, and and with with an opportunity to make up to five if he hits a certain threshold of maybe snaps played, maybe sacks, maybe a, maybe a lot of things. But uh, I think there's so many positive things about him. Uh, he he's been an Iron Man for most of his career. Uh, in terms of percentage of snaps played when he's in the game, but when he's he's not he's not there for some games sometimes. Now the funny thing about it is that Justin Houston has has played all but two games the last three seasons. He missed two this year, all right. But before that, you know, he played 12, 15, 5, 11, uh, another eleven, and two sixteens in years one and three. I, I, it's he's been a guy who had not been that durable, and has all of a sudden later in his career become a very durable player. Yeah, and the, and the two games he missed. This year, I think we're due to COVID, right? It wasn't an, an injury. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, yeah, he's – and maybe that's, you know, being more on a, on, a, on a rotation as he gets later on in his career. He hasn't – I mean, he was someone who logged a lot of snaps earlier on. Um, so, yeah. maybe that's, you know, helped preserve his body a little bit. But he to me, he looked fresh. Like, he didn't look like he was wearing down at the end of the season. Um, that, that happens sometimes, especially older players, sometimes rookies. Um I think that that wasn't the case for him. I think, you know, he still had, you know, juice all the way through the the whole 18, 18 week schedule. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think uh, I, I would like the Ravens offseason strategy to, to focus around getting him. The Ravens really need, though, now seems to be a Sam linebacker. And, and obviously, Tyus Bowser was the guy and played uh, a lot of snaps down the stretch in terms of, of a very high percentage of the total Ravens snaps. But, um, they don't really have an obvious Sam yet, but they have two guys they want to think can play the position now on the team. So they might not draft another, even even though Tyus Bowser may well miss time to begin 2022. So they have um, uh, Hayes will be coming back off injuries, Dalen Hayes, and he's they drafted really to be a Sam linebacker. And we thought he'd go into this season and be the backup Sam, a guy who would kind of naturally drop into coverage. Yeah, I mean, we didn't really get to see much of Hayes this year. I think that he definitely has that profile coming out of college. Um, he has, you know, decent athleticism. He's not like a Tyus Bowser or an OA level athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, you can, he can move in space a little bit. I think he's solid against the run. Um, I thought he was a little bit better as a pass rusher when we saw him in the preseason than when I was expecting based off of his college tape. So if he can develop some more as a pass rusher, he could end up being a, v- a very quality player for the Ravens. Frankly, it's just too early to say, um, I think you hope that he'll have a, a, a larger role next year. Um, but you know, you, you can't count on anything with, until you actually know what he's going to look like on the field. Right. I, I, if, if he doesn't play, you know, close to 50% of the snaps next year, if, you know, if assuming Bowser's injury plays out the way we fear it may, then I'm afraid that it, it, it may mean the Ravens drafted somebody else, or it may mean he got hurt in which case, Oh boy. You know, it starts to get, it starts to get really tough. Now, Jake's, you know, Adafi away. A great player and certainly had a fine rookie year. He profiles to play pretty much anywhere you want to use him because his athleticism is off the charts. 
I don't really love the idea of forcing him to play linebacker, Sam linebacker, early in his career. I think it would be better if he could develop as a pass rusher before he's forced into that. But I think he he could be a hell of a Sam linebacker. Too. Yeah, he definitely has the athletic traits that you would want. You know, he he has the ability to drop into coverage. He wasn't asked to do that very much as a rookie. Um, it, it could be something that he's more cross-trained to do in, in a second year, especially depending on, on Bowser's health. Um, but... You know, I think we saw a lot of flashes out of OA. I think he might have, if he didn't lead the Ravens in pressures, he led the outside linebacker position group in pressures. Um, and that was despite missing a couple of games at the end of the season. I think he also kind of tailed off a little bit in the second half. I think he, he might have hit that rookie wall a little bit. Um, there There's a, a few games, a stretch where he just didn't do much. And that might have been scheme. It might have been the, you know, the, who he was going up against as well. But um I think the upside with him is still very high. I mean, you have rare athletic traits in terms of speed. Um, he can do the power rush at times as well. Um, playmaker, I, th- I think. I think that's what he, he is, and that's what he will continue to, to develop into, uh, especially as he can learn to, you know, learn the technical aspect of the position a little bit more than what he has right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he definitely, from what we saw at Penn State as a senior to where he was in this first year, I think he overplayed what he was projected to be. In fact, I think if he had redrafted the first round, uh, knowing what this season went out like, I think he'd go much higher in that first round. I don't know exactly where, but much higher. Uh, he's, he's an exciting player. He certainly is. He's the kind of guy you're going to see from Peter King as his dark horse defensive player of the year next year. This year it was Matt BK, yeah, I remember. Way, but, but he, he, it'll be a, it'll be a formulaic pick again. And Oway be an excellent formulaic pick for, for a guy who, uh, had a pretty good rookie year. All three of those guys remarkably very close in terms of all sorts of pressure events. Uh, this year, Houston, Oway, and Bowser really all provided real pass rush value. Bowser was the most effective pass rusher, in my yeah. opinion, because he dropped a coverage. Mode. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that because I was looking at his snaps and whether he was dropping into coverage. Uh, and, and these are just snaps available from a pro football focus. Um, but his, his splits between run defense, coverage, and pass rush are pretty even. And he has the most... Uh, pass rush of uh, out of his snaps, but I think it was something like 300 some pass rush snaps and over 200 coverage snaps, um, mm-hmm. and that's a pretty rare kind of combination. Very. I went back and looked um, historically at outside linebackers um, that in the data that they tracked. I had to go all the way back to 2014. Connor Barwin was the last outside linebacker to have that same mm-hmm. combination. Um, and I was really curious about it because it, it's so rare. I went back. 2010 was a was a wild season. James Harrison and Lamar Woodley both had over I think 400 pass rush snaps and over 200 coverage snaps for the Pittsburgh Steelers that year. Bliss. Yeah, it was a it was a wild for both of them to have that. It was kind of kind of crazy. Yeah, that's that's a that's a, that'd be like Martindale running the Steelers defense back then. He was just zone blitzing off yep. either side on a kind of an alternating basis. Um, neither, Harrison, in particular, not a great coverage player, but uh, but that would be a that would be a good way to run that defense if you had it. Bowser, you know, dropping roughly forty percent of the time into coverage. It might have even been higher the year before. I'm not sure. Did you did you happen to look at that to see what? How so I don't think he had more snaps in coverage but he might have had a higher percentage of snaps in coverage last year okay. um just because there was more of a rotation of the the um edge rushers when, when we had um with judon and with with ngakwe both taking more of the mm-hmm. pass rush snaps um and then bowser had a few but he was also 
one of the pr primary coverage guys for the Ravens last year, as he was again this year as well. Mm -hmm. So three interceptions last year, obviously he didn't have any this year, but uh, uh, but still I think would have to be rated as one of the, the best, or if not the best coverage outside linebacker in the NFL. I'm a little biased, but I'd certainly say he's it. Um, in terms of the Ravens coverage linebackers, he's the best regardless of inside or outside. Definitely. So, you know, he's, he, he gives you a lot there. And they used him differently this year. They used him a little bit off ball in some of the situations. And obviously with the, with the big three outside linebackers on the field, they, they wanted to uh, not necessarily have any of them set up on the inside. And one way you can do that, they did the year before with Judon, is to have one of your players standing up. Now, Pernell McPhee, no problem lining up on the inside. You know, Ferguson, I think he's okay doing it too. Uh, but but Jahad Ward was. But but the, but with Bowser, I think it, it really is not the greatest match for his skills to be there. So you want to use his quickness. That's okay. Standing off ball is fine. He can give you a lot of value in that short middle zone, particularly if he's not directly in that A-gap um, to start the play. And then he can also give you value if you want to stunt. Um, and he's he's a good over guy. I, I would not say he's the ideal under guy, but the Ravens have lots of good under guys on this. Yeah, team. And, and I think Bowser was used more so in like a traditional off the ball linebacker role, not not necessarily like, like you know lining up in a gap, but actually you know four to five yards off the line of scrimmage, um, as you know, and like and and some like four three kind of looks or that the Ravens had at, at times this year. Um, and maybe, maybe it's more like a four, two, five nickel package, but he was definitely, um, used, um, a little bit more, I think differently than any other Ravens edge player that we've seen recently. You know, Judon was kind of like a jack of all trades. He had kind of the ability to move in and out and kind of line up in different mm -hmm. roles. I think in this defense, that's not exactly what Bowser did. Um, as he, maybe a little bit, but more so kind of in, in defined roles, I think for Bowser. And I think for the most part, it, it worked well and it took advantage of his skill set. Right. More, there was more early down slippage off the line of scrimmage too. So if you have Campbell in there and honestly, they trusted Broderick Washington with some of this too, you know, holding the outside shoulder of the yep. tackle, um, on, on the strong side, I mean, they 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 would drop off Bowser from the line of scrimmage to to confuse, probably to show a slightly different look, so that the coordinator has something to think about. Uh, but anyway, I thought that was you know it was it was good variation of play. It didn't always work out for the best, but uh, uh, you know he's a hell of a player. Yeah. And and the, the injury in in week eighteen, absolutely, it was the capper on a terrible season of injuries because it affects twenty two. We think. And it's just a, a, they're not coming with a fresh slate anymore. Now they're coming with one of their best players and they probably won't have them to start the season. Yeah, it's, it's really devastating. And like you said, it's the, of course, you know, this, this season couldn't end in, in a worse way. But losing one of your best defensive players um, but could potentially be, you know, an injury that affects the next year. Um, definitely, you know, we've, we've seen some players bounce back and you know, I think Terrell Suggs had an Achilles and he was able to come back in a pretty short period of time afterwards, you know, this year Cam Akers went out shortly before the season and he's playing in the, in the playoffs. So it really depends on the players kind of training regimen. The actual injury probably has some effect on it. Um, how quickly their bodies heal. It, not everybody's the same. Some people can come back faster than others. Um, we have to hope that, you know, Bowser, um, he, he basically had surgery pretty much soon as the season was over. Um, so it has yes. occurred then because yeah, it happened uh, last okay, week. Fantastic. Yeah, it happened. Um, Great. So he's going to be, you know, having the entire off season to heal up, hopefully, you know, able to have somewhat of a, 
I mean, not a normal training regimen, but something that at least can stay in like the football shape um, and then get back at it as soon as possible. And because the Ravens are going to need him, um, I think, if they're going to have the same semblance of the defense that they've been using over the past couple of years, um, it, it's going to be tough without him out there. Right. You'd really love to have within Wink's defense two guys who can drop. And Bowser is one of the droppiest yep. of drops. He's, he's, he's as good as anybody at doing it. And then you've got other choices. Then maybe you get away into it. Maybe you get Hayes, but you're not completely depending on them to be the guy. And I think Hayes's role would be tremendously reduced to maybe only a rotational player with Bowser. And Bowser will probably play a lower percentage of snaps this next year, even if he would start the season. I think he'd play yeah. a lower, lower percentage of snaps just because they try and do pitch counting him up to a higher level. Yeah, I, I definitely think that would make sense. And, and you know, it, a lot will depend on what players the Ravens can bring back. Um, obviously, um, we've, we've talked about Houston. Pernomic fee, we haven't spent too much time on. He was in and out of the lineup this year on the IR. Um, like I said, didn't have the same impact that he had in, in years past, mm-hmm. uh, I think. You know, two years ago, he was playing really well and then got hurt last year. Um, also played really well, was healthy throughout the entire season. Um, had a pretty impactful player for the Ravens defense. And then this year, he just didn't have that same that same role, the same impact. So, I mean, maybe you can you can offer him that one-year contract, veteran minimum, and, and see if he still has anything left. Um, I wouldn't ha- have him as someone that I would, that I would count on necessarily, though. Yeah, but he's he's excellent depth, or he could be excellent depth. Let's put it that way. Um, he only played in ten games this year, which is which is not that great. But uh, he's a guy who, if you bring him back, you probably can play the roster game to slip somebody onto the roster, then onto IR on the roster, so that it doesn't have a season-ending IR, and then you can bring him back. So you know you, the Ravens are very adept at doing that. And depending on what the rules are for this next year, I don't know if they're if they're continuing on with a similar rule set where you might really want to have five guys who are in that class. McPhee's not someone another team yeah. is going to yank, yank out from under the Ravens and, and and take from you. So that's why players like Levine and, and Tomlinson and and uh, and McPhee were were had has had some incremental value to the Ravens and a, a team that really knows how to play the roster games on the margin. Yeah, that's, that's definitely true. And I think there's definitely going to be an open door. If he's if he wants to come back, um, and it'll be a similar like situation, and I don't know if they're going to want to have him block the potential draft pick. Like if they if they pick somebody up, um, I, I don't think they're going to be spending big money in free agency. I think like bringing back Justin Houston would probably be the max that they would probably do at the position, um, and and then you really just have to look at the draft and see what what they can do in that in that situation. Yeah, I, and uh, we'll see. I mean, I'm sure they'll take an outside linebacker at some point in this draft. I, I don't anticipate it has to be a number one, although a lot of people think pass rusher is the top. I'd put offensive tackle and cornerback ahead of it for sure. Uh, cornerback, just the age situation is very bad. I, obviously, at outside linebacker, the, 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 the real problem is the current injuries as opposed to the quality, at least of the two the two most important starters. Let's go into Adafi Owe because we, we, we just touched on him briefly. Um, coming out of Penn State, lots of questions about productivity. Uh, I think we had those answered fairly early. I think, you know, you mentioned that he's a playmaker. I think we saw some of that, particularly in the Kansas City game. Uh, lots to love. I, I, my main fear about how they handle him is that they ask him to do too much too soon. I'd rather he become a more refined pass rusher in year two, where that's really the thing they focus on. Yeah, I, th- I think um, 
that's where the upside is, right? Like, I mean, you have someone like that with, with that type of body, that type of athleticism, speed off the edge. Um, we, we've seen him use that incredibly well uh, in, in some of the reps he was able to get as a rookie. Um, if he can continue to develop, um, you know, some of the use of the hands, the ability to bend around the edge, you know, maybe work on his get off a little bit more because, you know, he has that raw, like, speed, but can he time up the snap a little bit better, you know, figure out, you know, ways to kind of really put the offensive tackle in as much of a bind as he possibly can. Um, I think that's where he should be focusing on, especially early in his career. That's where you're going to get the most value out of him as, you know, as a, as a pass rusher. So I think that's definitely the areas to focus on. The really interesting point you just made there about, you know, the get off and whatnot and great pass rushers have a fair number of offside calls in a typical season, you know, four five, six calls sometimes for really top end pass rushers. And it's just kind of a cost of doing business, but it does two things for you. Number one, if you time it up, you know, it very often will lead to a, a hit or a sack on that play. At the very least, it'll be, it'll be a very big disadvantage pressure that usually results in incomplete pass or worse. But number two is that offensive tackle may overset. And so that's a that's an ancillary benefit of that. Yeah, they can false start, but even if they even if they just overset, that's pretty bad. And you know, you, you can set them up for an inside move by the fact that you're you're just taking chances off the snap and occasionally risking being offsides on a play. So I, when I see it, and when I see when I see offensive or sorry, uh, outside linebackers go offside, edge rushers go offside. I don't worry about it too much. I, I think it's just a you know kind of a cost of doing. Yeah, it's definitely going to happen at times. Um, I mean, if it ha- it's happening, you know, multiple times a game, like it, it can be a problem. Like we saw Randy Gregory get, you know, maybe kill the Dallas Cowboys when he jumps off three times in a single game. Like that's probably too much. But if it happens, you know, a couple of times over the course of the season, that's that's not something I'm going to have as a significant concern. So, you know, I think that physically the sky's the limit for him um, technically and what he can learn in terms of like kind of the counter moves. And you, you mentioned, you know, the ability to kind of, attack the outside and then come back inside. Can you develop like a spin move? You know, that can be devastating for pass rushers who have the right. ability to, to really threaten the edge um, with their speed and then come back inside. Um, you know, there's not a lot of offensive tackles that are going to be able to match him from, from a pure <laughs> speed standpoint. So if he can learn those counters, um, it, it can be a, a real weapon for the Ravens. Yeah. Th- th- this was my big talking point before his first year was that as soon as he learns to count, he's a better athlete than any tackle in the entire league. We can just start with that. There's no, there's no offensive tackle who can match any, really any component, even from a length perspective, there's hardly any offensive tackles that can match him. And that's the most likely angle they can beat him on. They're never going to beat his feet. They're never going to beat you know, what he can bring in terms of bend or speed or any of that. So part of his, you know, deal has to be understanding how you set that guy up, and you know that your your opponent is not particularly talented. How do you how do you take advantage of that fact? And yeah, you 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 use your leg, get to that outside shoulder first. You spin back inside, or you 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 have the euro step. is is just a a, a very simple way that a lot of uh, you know defensive end edge rushers are using now to, to just sell an outside or inside move and go the other direction. It's just, there's, there's a lot of things that he has available to himself, but the one thing he can depend on because he's such an athlete is that every offensive tackle, the lesser athlete is going to overreact to his first move. 
And I think that, that goes a little bit with the oversetting comment is that if you get that as well, then you know you really got the guy. You just got to you, you got to come up with second move deals. They're buying whatever you're selling on the first move. Yep, and, and it's probably just the pro- progress of of a pass rusher, especially one who was a little bit more on the raw side, like OA was coming out of college. Mm-hmm. Um, learning that type of nuance to the position is something that will really take his game to the next level. And Oftentimes, there is that sophomore year jump. Um, we, we've seen that a lot of times in the NFL. You know, players come in, they have they show some flashes in their first year. Second year, they get their legs underneath under them. They get in the NFL weight room training program, maybe you know, put on 5, 10 pounds, um, and then work on their craft, work on the skills that will put them over the top. And, I, and I'm hoping that, you know, OA can, can be someone who will take to that type of training, take to that type of coaching that's yes. given to him, and really – he would become that elite level player that we could definitely use in this defense. Yeah. I, I see more, I, I see more about his play style and maybe his personality and what we've seen so far his on field demeanor that would tell me he's more likely to be a guy that will go for position specific training as opposed to some other players on the Ravens who really would value their time off more. And I'm not sure. I, I'm sure OA has lots of other things to do with this time that are very positive. But I, but I have a feeling he's going to be less likely to waste that time based on the amount of growth we've seen during this first year alone. Yeah, I mean, it, a lot of times th- this is in the players' hands. They have this offseason. This is their personal time. This is their time to relax, to do whatever their goals are. And and some players are incredibly driven and they want to like get back right into the lab and, and work on honing their craft. And, you know, some players, they... You know, get in the film room, things like that. Some players they might not spend as much time. They might, you know, go hang out on the beach for a few weeks, do whatever. And, and you know, I'm not going to be here and judge them for that. That's their life. That's, you know, it's, it's. I think everybody deserves like some time off. Um, but if you're going to really try to be the best of the best, I, you have to have those, you know, goals in mind and really figure out how am I going to get better and improve every day in the off season just as much you are in the regular season. Right. And, and I, I, I think you need to not be self-congratulatory is what I would say about this. I would agree. Everybody needs some time off, but don't say, oh, I worked out. So it's OK to do this. It's kind of like, a, you know, an overweight person saying, oh, I, I didn't eat anything yesterday. So it's OK for me to have this gigantic frozen yogurt today or, you know, whatever it might be. That's that's, that's the bad choice. I, I just you know, it's it's a uh, it's something where. I, I really, there's a certain number of players on the Ravens. Patrick Queen comes to mind immediately. I don't want to see workout videos from him this offseason. I want to see positional craft work. Okay. It's not, what he needs is not workout. We already know he's a good athlete. Okay. He needs to figure out how to play freaking linebacker. And there's about four aspects of it, which he's doing at a very poor level and, and he needs to get better at. Oway, you know, he doesn't have that far to go, but. Lamar Jackson, you know, took that big jump between year and one and year two by taking the time. And hopefully there's enough examples of people on the team to say, hey, you know, this really is time well spent. It's going to define my life in any number of ways, what I can do during these next two seasons, you know, before they decide on my fifth year option. You know, and that's a huge milestone. Then after year four, it comes another huge, huge milestone in terms of whether he's playing for a contract in year five or whether he's already in free agency and it needs a big year in year four to, to, to power up. But I mean, it, it, these milestones are coming quickly. You know, Adafi Owe does not have a lot of time until those occur. So in the thousand or so days that he has before those come up, make the most of every damn one. 
you know, and, and, and become the best football player you can become. Yeah. And, and this is where having someone like Justin Houston, you know, matters, e- even though he's a free agent, you know, they definitely clearly had a relationship on the field, off the field, mm-hmm. you know, having someone that, that you know, can take away under his wing and show him how to be a professional, show him how to watch film, show him how to learn like the details of the craft. I think that could potentially be something that's really impactful on his career moving forward. So I'm, I'm hoping that they do have a relationship in this off season, um, even if just like staying in touch and like kind of giving some like, you know, veteran like tips as to how to like just keep, keep the progress going, figure out ways that to improve on a regular basis. That, and that's really what we can just hope that happens. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I couldn't pick a player to be a better mentor for him. So that would that would definitely be a, a positive as I'd see it. Um, Jalen Ferguson, a guy who didn't get a lot of playing time this year. We need to we need to hit on him anyway, about 125 snaps as I've got it. That doesn't include penalties, of course. Um, not what you would want from a player at this point. Obviously, he's entering his fourth season. He'll go into camp immediately on the bubble in yeah. terms of even making the team. Uh, you know, I think that's we'd, we'd have to agree. I mean, just for people out there who maybe haven't heard me explain this before, every player signs a four-year contract when they're drafted, and that is a four-year, excluding first-round picks now for a moment because they have that fifth-year option. But it's a four-year declining value option, so it, it's kind of like having kinetic and potential energy. You know, you the, the higher up in the air you are, the more potential energy you have, uh, but you may have less kinetic energy if you're if you you know a, a, a rifle shot going up into the air. Uh, it, this is this is a case where um, a player's kinetic energy is is very low. He doesn't have a lot of you know a, you know. Am I getting this wrong? Is kinetic and potential? Potential energy yeah. is the one where that's that's high. I have, I have it wrong. This is great, great explanation <laughs> by me. But anyway, declining option value in the fourth year. Uh, <laughs> that's terrible. Um, yeah, he he uh, he really needs to uh, come and have a good camp just to make the team. And then uh, you know he's he's making some money. I don't have I don't have his exact salary in front of me, but if he's making a couple million like some of the other guys who are. Uh, here he's definitely in, in substantial. I don't think he got the pers- the year. performance boost to be over to, to the was it the third round tender or the second round tender? I think he's still going to be playing at like the one million range, but I'm not 100 percent sure on that. Yeah, you're you're correct. So his base salary is his base salary for 2022 is 965 thousand with a prorated bonus of 225. They can't get rid of, so it's only 965. So some of the guys like Powers are playing for two and a half million this year, and and they, because of that, they're at risk of being cut. Or they could negotiate down and, and, and come to a different agreement with the team. Yeah. Um, I think I think for that reason, Ferguson probably is on the roster, depending on who comes back and, and draft, obviously. Because um, he's not going to be that expensive. But he... I mean, this year I thought was the year that he really had to show it. He didn't. So maybe, maybe I'm wrong about that. I think that he just doesn't really have that type of high end athleticism that's really required at the position in today's NFL. Um, there's a reason why he wasn't on the field very often. I thought like some players, he will show a flash now and then in the Rams game, he had an opportunity to play a lot of snaps and he had, I think three or four plays where I thought were like, Oh yeah, that's, that's the player you drafted. You, you hope for that type of ability. Um, he had a couple of nice plays against the run. I think he had a couple of nice, you know, bull rushes, but he's never really developed as a pass rusher. He kind of has that one kind of like, basically he can bull rush and, and he, and he has mm-hmm. length, but he doesn't have a lot of power. He doesn't have speed around the edge. He doesn't have bend. Um, he's, I think he's just limited in that role and he's, he just hasn't 
done those things that we're talking about with OA to try and get better. I, at least I haven't seen that improvement out of him. No, I haven't either. And, and honestly, even if you're comparing bull rushes for those two players, OA can set up a bull rush that will get the tackle disadvantaged on the play before it even begins, whereas Ferguson doesn't really have that ability. So he's got to straight out leverage and out, out strength that opponent, which he can do, but it's, it's, uh, you know, it's not going to be something you can win at every time. No, I I was just going to say it's, I think, I do think he can make the roster, but it's, it's really going to be dependent on circumstances around him. It's not going to necessarily be because he is someone that the Ravens need to be out there. It's more going to be like, we have a spot we could use the depth at this position and it's going to depend on the availability of other players most likely. Well, if, if the other option is a 32-year-old, $1 million pass rusher who's not named Justin Houston, who, I mean, it's some guy who you're really taking a chance on, and he had three sacks last year, and he maybe had 10 three years ago kind of thing. And, and there's a lot of guys who, who kind of meet that description out there, and not exactly, but, but kind of. Um, I'm not that excited about going after a player like that. I'd rather have Ferguson play out his final year, see if he can he can break out in some small way, possibly provide value in the comp formula, but also just being a younger player, he's got more upside yeah. than an older player. So, you know, you got to figure he's he's probably going in the in the right direction. Um, he doesn't provide the Ravens anything in terms of dropping a coverage. At least he doesn't as of now. Uh, so I don't think he's part of a uh, a two headed monster on either end of the line of scrimmage that you 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 give defensive coordinators nightmares on third down about who's actually rushing. So uh, yeah, yeah. Here's the one is. other component I would say, um, you know, he is bigger than the rest of the other Ravens outside linebackers. Um, I think he's like six five, like two seventy, two seventy five, something like that. Um, in the past, we've seen. Wink utilized those guys as kind of like the interior pass rusher um, or players in, in his mold, at least in size. We mentioned Jihad mm-hmm. Ward. He played a lot of snaps inside as kind of like a pass rushing defensive tackle last year. Um, that hasn't something that Ferguson has been really asked to do very much. And he hasn't really, if he's done it at all, it hasn't been effective. Um, maybe he can balk up a little bit and, and try to, have some of a role like that this year because I don't think the Ravens have that on their roster this year, frankly. I mean, McPhee maybe used a little bit like that, but they really didn't have that guy. You know, we've seen it in the past with McPhee, with Zardarius Smith, with Jihad Ward. That was something that the Ravens didn't have. Um, and and they, maybe they missed it a little bit, I think, in this season because they didn't really get much of an interior pass rush outside of, outside of Campbell. Yeah, they used actually Bowser on mm. the inside a fair amount, and and I I didn't really like that, um, but it is it is what it was. They used Oway some on the inside, uh, and and he was often stunting yeah. when he did that. But uh, you know, Houston really loves to play wide, so they really didn't use him on the inside. He was the one guy they kind of let out of that responsibility. But I agree with you. I mean, the Ravens don't have an obvious guy for that. McPhee was one guy they they had that did it. Ferguson was another guy who did it a fair amount. In 2019, you know, he and Ward kind of alternated games there for mm-hmm. a while of who was active, and he was getting a lot of interior pass rush then, uh, particularly when the Ravens were playing a lot of the four outside linebacker package. Uh, I, I, I think he still could have a role. I think it actually probably plays to his, his favor that he doesn't have a salary that's uh, through the roof that will get him cut, although he could just agree to, you know, play for less. But, but uh, you know, the Ravens, there's, there's good incentives on both sides for him to play this year, but nonetheless, he'll go into camp. If there's somebody better and the Ravens have five guys better than Jalen Ferguson, I don't think he'll be on the roster. I agree with that. 
All right. Uh, let's see. Who do we not talk about? Do we get everybody here? Here, I'm trying to think if if we've missed anybody. We didn't. Did we talk about Pernell McPhee really? I, I mean, briefly. I, I mean, he was injured. Okay. Um, he didn't have a great season. I don't think. I don't know if he had a sack. Um, I think the. I think age might be catching up with with him. He he didn't look like he had the same type of. Um, ability to get after the the quarterback as we've seen even as early as or as soon as recently as last year um he just didn't have very many pressures at all that i that i counted yeah one sack in the opener mm-hmm. against the raiders but you're right he didn't have a lot of pressure the whole year and and uh it's unfortunate he may be at the end of the line i think he's another guy though on the margin of the roster that you can keep around and bring back if you need him so he may be a guy you can even stick on the practice squad and and uh you can have a wink-wink deal with him, but you may also be able to just keep, stick him on the practice squad and three weeks later bring him back. If the Ravens have so many of these guys right now, it's going to be a question of who they really want to protect You know, in, in next year, assuming they have the normal amount of camp injuries. But uh, I hate to even say that, the normal amount of camp injuries. But the but – the, um, uh, you know, Tomlinson is around. They've got – Josh Oliver. I mean, who's, who's all over Josh Oliver that they just got to have him? You know, I mean, he's, he's the kind of guy who's on that margin too, so – They've got guys, and and uh, Josh Bynes, frankly, you know, as much as he's helped the Ravens defense, I don't think people are knocking down his door to to bring him in to to sign him away from the Ravens. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't been getting those contracts. Clearly, he was he was available to be picked up this year. Um, he was able available to be picked up when the Ravens got him a couple of years ago. Um, he did sign that one year deal with Cincinnati, but um, it's clearly not someone who who teams are knocking down the door to to bring in for a, like a multi year contract, anything like that. Right, right. Uh, I'm kind of excited, by the way, to have Josh Bynes back under any I like circumstances. I think he, yeah, I think he'd really help the Ravens. Okay, um, outstanding stuff. Uh, we'll really appreciate having you on, as always, Gabe. Uh, great to talk about this in terms of what the what the Ravens' defense might look like in 2022. Uh, that big hole where yeah. Bowser was supposed to be, and and hopefully the Ravens get by that. Tell folks again where they can touch base with you on. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Gabe Fergie. Um, Feel free to, you know, reach out to me or just, you know, comment on a post I make. Love to have a chat. All right. Outstanding. Folks out there, if you want to do a film study short this offseason, hit me up with that. DMs are open. Here's the big one, though. And we'll be we'll be recording these over the course of the next two to three weeks is a new series called Fixing the Ravens. So if you want to do a particular show on what the Ravens need to do the team. Um, we're not going to do a lot of overlap on this. So I want to make sure your topic is narrow and that you're not completely overlapping with people who otherwise have, have signed up for the topic. Again, hit me up with DM on Twitter. Tell me what you think is an important fix for the Ravens. And it doesn't even have to be the number one fix. It just has to be a fix that you think is important for the Ravens to make for 2022. Gabe, thanks again for being on. Thanks, Ken. I always love coming on your, on your show and I hope to come back again sometime shortly. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. (laughs) 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.